Hey guys, welcome back to the Wisdom and Stuff podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Boucher, and this is where we cut through the Christianese and tradition-based thoughts that hinder us from the limitless lifestyles that we as actual children of God are designed to walk in. So let's go ahead and dive into the Word and see what the Holy Spirit has for us today. You to come and teach. We allow you to come and, and reveal. Father, we have eyes that see, we have ears to hear, we have hearts that understand. And we thank you, Lord God, that even today, Father God, as as, as things are spoken from heaven, Father, we allow heaven to invade the earth today. We allow heaven, Father God, to just begin to, to show us and reveal to us who we really are in you. And we just thank you, Lord God. Today is the day you've made, Father God. Nobody else made today. Nobody else gets the credit for today. And we just allow you to have, Father God, all glory, all praise, all honor. We give you praise for it. We thank you for guiding us into truth today in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, always, always good to just just teach the Word of God, be in the presence of God. This is the living Word of God and the Holy Spirit, His Holy Spirit. God in the Spirit, of the Spirit, by the Spirit, teaches us this Word that's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so as, as we teach today, just, just believe in God. Just believe in God for what He wants done. And uh, uh, this, this teaching... Is, uh, is, it comes from a conversation that he, or a question that he asked me not that long ago. And uh, I, I was just doing something and he asked me this question. He said, how kind are you going to let me be to you? He asked me that. He goes, how kind are you going to let me be to you? And that's a great question. Because I, I just thought, well, okay. That, that apparently means that, that number one, uh, he hasn't been allowed to be as kind as he wants to be. There's more kindness that he wants to show me. And number two, it's, it's, it really has to do with me. I'm allowing him to, to show me certain levels of kindness. Now, um, you know, how, how much kindness does God have? How much kindness does he have? We know that, that God is infinite in all that he does, all that he is. There is no attribute of God that is not infinite, that is not limitless. And so when we talk about any attribute of God, that's talking about his love, his truth, his joy, his peace, his strength. Everything is limitless because he is the source of all things. He doesn't have those things. He is those things. So when we're talking about kindness, he doesn't have kindness. He doesn't just display kindness. He doesn't just demonstrate kindness. He is kindness. And so he carries the very DNA of limitless or infinite kindness. And the question is, how much are we allowing him to show us? How much are we receiving from him? Not how much is he giving toward us, but how much is, are we receiving from him? And when he asked me the question, he said, how kind are you going to let me be? I tell you, I, I, I'm on a pursuit now because I want, I want to let him be far more kinder than he's been to me. I know what his desire is. I know what his intent is in his kindness toward me. And so that's what, that's what let me just kind of uh, head into this pursuit about kindness. If I, if, I need, if, I, if I want him to be more kind, in other words, if I, if I want to allow more of kindness to be a part of my life, I need to, number one, know what it is. I need to know how to recognize his kindness. I need to know how to receive his kindness, how to walk in his kindness. I need to know what part of me is in the way. What part of me is, is, is currently resisting his kindness. Amen. So, see, if we know what's resisting his kindness, then we can make an adjustment. We can actually make the adjustment, and then he can actually just pour out more of what he's wanted to pour out. Now, just understanding his, his kindness here, um, 
uh, let's just look at a few verses. I mean, there's, 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 uh, there's a lot of verses, obviously, in the Old and New Testament that actually talk about the kindness of God or just kindness in general. And, uh, and in the Old Testament, the word kindness is, is that Hebrew word hesed or hesed. Um, C-H-E-S-E-D. And I, I don't claim to be any kind of you know, Hebrew scholar or anything, but just looking up these definitions... Uh, you, you find that this word is 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 a powerful word, it, and it's found about 247 times in the Old Testament, uh, and uh, and it's it is um, it is uh, a very very strong Hebrew word, uh, and it's translated different ways throughout the Old Testament because it carries a lot of different things with it. And so sometimes it's translated kindness, sometimes it's translated goodness, sometimes it's it's translated mercy, sometimes truth. Uh, um, there, there's just different different ways that it's translated into the English language. So different English words come from the same root word, kindness, or or or, or kind. And uh, uh, let's look at a couple verses here. Um, first of all, let's look over at uh, uh, Psalm sixty-three. Psalm 63, and uh, Psalm 63, and in verse 3, it says, Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. So here he says, he says, because, because your, your loving kindness is better than life itself, that's why I'm going to praise you. Our praise should come from an understanding and an acquaintance with his loving kindness. It should be it should be this response of his loving kindness when we begin to see that it's better than life itself. Then the, the natural response is praise. The natural response is rejoicing. The natural response is just joy unspeakable and full of glory. Praise God. Uh, let's turn over to Psalms um, uh, 103, 103. Very very familiar psalm. If if I'm sure you'll you'll recognize as we read Psalms 103 and verse one. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. So here's the benefits. He forgives me of what? All thy iniquities. How many of them? All of them. Praise God. He heals all my diseases. How many? All. Praise God. He says, Who redeems my life from destruction, and He crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies, and satisfies my mouth with good things, so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. So here He is. It says that He, he does all these things, and one of the things He does, He says, He, he uh, crowns me, verse, verse 4, He crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. He crowns me. He wants kindness, that loving kindness to be put on like a crown. That means He clothes me with it. That's actually the word crown. It means that it's, it's, it's the crowning ornament of my life. It is that which people see. When somebody, it, to me, it's kind of like... Um, you know, we have these uh, award shows, uh, oh, you know, like the Oscars or Grammys, or Emmys, whatever they are, you know, these different award shows, and they do the, the, the red carpet, right? The red carpet beforehand, and that, you know, usually takes way too long, but, but anyway, they, you know, they spend hours and hours on this red carpet thing, and so all these big celebrities, famous people, they're walking to their, you know, uh, uh, this award ceremony, and of course, there's all these reporters out there, and there's all these different things, and all these women walk out, right? They walk out in these fancy dresses and different things, you know, and they're 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 taking their pictures, doing all these other things. And then one one of the first questions, what's one of the first questions asked by a reporter to to a, a woman coming up on the red report? What's the, one of the first questions asked? That's right. Who are you wearing? 
Who are you wearing? In other words, they're asking, who, who designed you know, the, the, the garment that, you, that you're adorned with? Who designed this dress? Who does, see, they don't ask that of guys usually because, hey, guys are just like, hey, they, look, they, they wear a tux, they wear a suit, whatever. But the, guy, the girls, they're, they're all dressed out in these big, fancy things. And, the, and one of the first questions is, who are you wearing? And they'll list off some designer. Because the, the, they, 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 they want to give credit to the designer. They want to give credit to the one who made them look this good. You know? And so we need to understand, God says here, He crowns me or clothes me with loving kindness. Praise God. He wants His kindness to so clothe me, to so crown me, to so cover me, that people look at me and say, oh, who are you wearing? They know I didn't make this thing. They, didn't, they know that I didn't make my life. They know that I wasn't the one who designed what I'm walking in right now. They know that I didn't design what's making my life look so good. And so God wants to clothe us with that loving kindness so that people actually walk up and say, yeah, who designed your life? Who was the one who did this? Because it wasn't you. So who did it. And it's, it, God wants it to be so clear that it was him. He wants his fingerprint to be on my life so much that even, you know, people will look at things, you know, people who don't understand design, they'll, they'll look at things and they'll say, oh, I know who designed that because it carries their, 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 you know, design way. They, they, they'll go like, oh, that dress looks like a Vera Wang or that dress looks like a this or that, whatever. And you know, God wants people to look at my life and go, that looks just like God. I know who designed that life. That was God's kindness. That's whose kindness that is. That's the loving kindness of God himself. Praise God. It says, he satisfies my mouth with good things. So I, my youth is renewed like the eagles. So every day I'm not getting old and tired about it. Every day I'm not just wearing out. Every day I'm getting stronger. Every day I'm getting more and more. And it's his loving kindness, tender mercies, clothing me, crowning me. Praise God. But you see, he wants people to see it. He wants people to know it. Now, let's go over to uh, um, a couple other, uh, Jeremiah. Praise God. Jeremiah. And uh, let's see here. Chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9. And it says, uh, verse 24. But let him that glories in this, that he understands uh, and knows me, that I am the Lord, who exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. Man, notice that. He says, I exercise loving kindness, kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight. Notice this. He delights in exercising loving kindness in the earth. So we're not talking about... Uh, we're not talking about having to go to heaven, right? We're not talking about having to only experience it in the by and by. We're not talking about something that is only reserved for when I pass through the veil of this fleshly realm. No, no, no. He says he takes delight. I mean, he gets giddy about it. He just loves it. He loves it so much. He exercises kindness in the earth and he loves it. And he delights in it, praise God. He wants to show us his kindness so much. Mm, praise God. He wants to show it so much to us. Look, look over in Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah 31. And here it says, uh, in verse 3, it says, The Lord has appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with what? What does it say here? An everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. 
Notice this. He goes, oh, I've loved you before anything. I've loved you with an everlasting love. I've loved you with a love that, that has no beginning nor end. I ha I've loved you before you were in your mother's womb. I loved you before you ever a twinkle in your parents' eye before you were ever on this earth, before you ever did anything right or anything wrong. I have loved you with an everlasting love. And he goes, because of that, I have drawn you with my loving kindness. He woos us with his kindness. He draws us with his kindness. We know in Romans chapter 2, it says that it's, it says the, in Romans 2, it says it's the goodness of God that what leads people to what repentance, right? It's the goodness of God that leads. You know what that word goodness is? It's the word kindness. That's what it is. It's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. He draws us with his kindness. He draws us because he loves us. He loves us. And so he just woos us. He woos us with his kindness. Praise God. Man, are we getting a little glimpse of this, a little taste of his kindness? I just, you can feel it, can't you? You can feel it in the air. You can feel how, how much joy is tied to this kindness. You can feel how much lightness, how much like levity there is with this kindness. You know, it's just, it's a lightness. You know, and in fact, uh, in, in over in Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light, that word easy is the word kindness. Praise God. That's what it is. It can also be translated easy, but it also tr translates kindness. It's the same Greek word for kindness. So we could say that, that Jesus was saying that my yoke that you're, that, I'm that you're supposed to be yoked with is kindness. You're supposed to be yoked to kindness, tied to kindness. And he goes, and my burden is light. See, there's a lightness to this. Can you feel that? Feel that in the air. Just feel that, that the kindness of God, how it woos us, how it draws us, how it actually draws us to a place of repentance. It draws us to think of God differently. It draws us to think of things differently and to act differently. This is, this is the, the, my goodness, this is the, the dinner bell of God. This is the beckoning agent of God is his kindness. Praise God. Now, over in, uh, in Ephesians, this was the, the scripture that he gave me right when he first asked me about, about kindness, about how kind am I going to let him be, in Ephesians chapter 2. And it says here, um, uh, okay, uh, in verse, uh, <clears throat> let's, this is starting in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love with which he loved us, praise God, even when we are dead in trespasses and sins, he has quickened us together with Christ, and by grace you are saved. And he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So he did all of that, right? He redeemed us. He did all of that. He says, so that in the ages to come, so that in the ages to come, he might show, notice that, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So here he is. He wants to, oh, he says, I did all of this so I might show you the exceeding riches of my grace in my kindness toward you. Oh, my goodness. Do you see that there's an exceeding riches of grace in kindness? Now, we need to understand that we know by grace we're saved. But we need to understand also that in uh, uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, it's like in verse 10, it says that there's a manifold grace of God. There's different forms of grace. In other words, God, grace comes by God, and everything is done by grace. I am what I am by the grace of God, Paul says. 
And uh, but you understand that 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 God's grace is many sided, and because of that, there is a grace for everything He wants us to walk in. There is a grace for salvation. There is a grace for for healing. There is a grace for peace. A grace for joy. And that's always His attribute in my life. His favor in my life. His resource in my life. That's called grace. But understand this: that that I can be really good at one level of grace and not that great at another level of grace. In other words, some people I've known, and you may have known them too, different people. Uh, some some people I know, they are really quick to get to get to receive their physical healing. I mean, my goodness, I've known people who just didn't even think much about it at all. They're like, oh yeah, I was healed of this, I was healed of that, I was healed of the other thing. Well, that's the grace of God. Praise God. But then there's other people who, while they they may not get healed very quickly, even though it's available to them. That, but they may not get healed all that quickly. But man, talk about walking in peace and joy. I mean, it's just like they just have the peace of passive understanding all the time. You know why? Because they've they they're walking and they're they're learning that that level of grace. They 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 just take on that level of grace so much easier. And other levels of grace they haven't learned how to receive yet. Here's the thing. Over in uh, in fact, um, with that in mind, uh, uh, turn over to Second Corinthians chapter eight. Second Corinthians chapter eight and. Um, and in verse 7, here Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, church in Corinth. In verse 7, he says, Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. And then he starts talking about financial wealth. He's talking about prosperity for the next two chapters. But now, here he says, he goes, You abound in all these things, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, in diligence, and in your love to us. He mentions five things that they're abounding in. He says, you are, you've got this down awesome. You are so good at these five things. And you know what? Each one of those things is the grace of God. Each one of those things requires grace to walk in. And they are abounding in those types of graces. But he goes, but there's one thing you're not walking in that you need to. And he goes, and make sure that you abound in this grace also. See, I'm just saying that Paul is making a statement here that's very key to our lives that we have to make sure to understand that understand that, that, that we need to purpose to access every level of grace. And one of the graces, and one of the most important graces, back in Ephesians 2, is he says that there are the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us. Kindness is part of God's grace. And sometimes we just don't even know that we're not accessing it. Just like the, the Corinthian church didn't know that they were neglecting grace toward finances. Paul said, make sure that you abound in this grace also. We need to make sure we're abounding in the grace that's tied to his kindness. We need to make sure that we're letting God be kind to us. Making sure that, my goodness, he can be so kind to us. What does it mean? Let's just get into that for a second here. What does kindness mean? You know, I, 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 always, I always go back to definitions, and, and the thing is I always do, and you, you, you know this about me, is that um, I like to know what God's definition of things is. I don't want to know what man's definition. I want to know what God's definition is. Man's definition is limited. Man's definition is usually uh, uh, tied to the culture of this earth in some way, shape, or form. And, and it's okay to look up, you know, in dictionaries and stuff like that, but but ultimately, we do. We need to ask the Holy Ghost, what does God mean by this? Because there is a heavenly definition of everything. There's an eternal definition. And in kindness, there is one. And, and the funny thing is what he did was, was I, the first thing I asked, I go, well, what's the difference? Because I was just thinking about it. I go, what's the difference between kindness and goodness? 
because they sound similar and, and, they, and they are similar, but they're different because we know that both of those things are a fruit of the Spirit. So there, there's a difference in these things, kindness and goodness. And what the Lord said, he goes, he goes, yeah, there is a difference. He goes, but I also want to show you what the difference between kindness, goodness, and charity is. He goes, oh, I have another one, charity. Okay, so what's the difference between kindness, goodness, and charity? Well, goodness is just, goodness is when you're doing the right things. You're just doing what's right. A good man does what's right no matter what. A good man does what's right no matter what it's going to cost him, no matter uh, what people are going to think about him, no matter whatever. A good man does what's right. That's what a good man does. Okay, A good man just does what's right all the time. And so goodness is when you're doing something right. You're doing the right thing. Okay, now, um, and, and that's important to do, right? We need to do the right thing all the time. And uh, now, the thing is, though, goodness and kindness are different. Now, charity, let's talk about charity. Charity is when you meet somebody's needs. When they, um, when they need something and they don't have the resource for it, and so you make up the difference with your resource. Does that make sense? Like, in other words, somebody needs some money, somebody needs something, some help sometime, they, they need to borrow your truck or some, whatever it is, and what you're doing is you are meeting their need. Okay, and so you are doing something and you're meeting their need and that's called charity. When you are meeting their need out of your resource, that's charity. That's not kindness yet, that's just charity. Okay, so goodness is when you're doing the right thing. Charity is when you're meeting somebody's needs. But kindness... Kindness goes to something else. Two words that kept coming up when I kept looking up the word for kindness and all kinds of different, different type of resource, two words that kept coming up was the words lavish and extravagance. Those are the two words that kept coming up. There was other words that were there or there too that we'll get into, but lavish and extravagance. In other words, kindness doesn't begin until all the needs are met. You see, God's not being kind when he meets my needs. He might be being charitable. He might even be good because he's a good father, isn't he? A good father meets the needs of his children. But my goodness, my father, oh, he's kind. He doesn't just want to meet my needs. He wants to lavish me. He wants to be extravagant toward me. Kindness doesn't begin until it looks like that. Kindness doesn't begin until it actually... Okay, another thing, kindness does not just remain in the thought realm, right? You guys remember that old song by um, Willie Nelson, You Were Always On My Mind? You know, and he's like, oh, maybe I didn't call you, maybe I didn't write, but you were always on my mind, and blah, blah, blah. That's a terrible song. That guy was a jerk, right? Because it doesn't do you any good if it only reminds in, it reminds in the thought realm. It, kindness doesn't, it, it, until it is tangibly seen in the outward realm, it is not yet kindness. Until it is manifested in the outward, outward realm so other people can see it, then it's not yet kindness. See, he wants to crown me with kindness. He wants to clothe me with kindness so everybody can see it. Until it's out here, it's not kindness. Okay, he can have a kind thought toward me. God loves me, but he so loved the world that he did what? He gave. That's what he did. He showed it. He demonstrated his kindness and his love toward me. Here it says in Ephesians 2 that he wants to show us his kindness toward us. It needs to be seen. It needs to be shown. And so what God is doing, you see, we need to realize that, 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 that kindness, I haven't accessed kindness in my life. I haven't, I haven't accessed the grace for kindness yet until it's seen in my life. Now, it's not kindness until it's seen. 
right? Until it's seen, it's not yet kindness. And until it's limitless, it's not yet God. Until it's extravagant, it's not yet God. So we need to get a hold of that. Praise God. Yeah. See, because you feel that. This is so huge. Until you can see it in the outward realm, until it's tangible, noticeable, observable, uh, demonstrated, it's not yet kindness. And until, until it's limitless, it's not yet God. And so we need to get a hold of this, that, that we cannot just relegate kindness to a kind thought or just simply to meet my needs. Until my needs are met, kindness can't begin. Okay? And now, uh, <laughs> this is, oh my goodness, the, the, this is, when we talk about kindness, this is the unhindered flow of the character and resources of the one giving it. In other words, God wants to limitlessly be kind to you. He wants to show kindness on his level of kindness. And and true kindness is when the giver is unhindered in his in his uh, uh, flow of giving it. In other words, uh, if, if I'm hindering somebody from being kind to me, then their kindness can't be seen in my life. But at the moment that I stop hindering it is the moment kindness can be seen. Man, God's kindness. Think about this. Once again, how big is God? He is limitless. How big is His kindness? It is limitless. It is infinite. It is extravagant. It is overflow. It is, it is, oh my goodness, it's unlimited in any way. It's lavish. Now, um, one thing that kindness does is it, it represents a couple things. See, once again, kindness is when somebody does something for me. Not to meet my need, but above and beyond my need from their ability and from not just their ability, but from their character and their heart. You know, I, I, I do things for Rachel all the time as far as I make things, you know, in, in, the, in the garage. You know, I, I go out and I build stuff, make stuff, do whatever. And so in our house, we have, you know, lots of things sitting around that I've made. I mean, lots of things hanging on the walls, on the shelves. Some of the shelves themselves are, are things I've made, you know, just all over the place. There's things that I've made over the years, and, uh, and I love to do it. I mean, I, I, that's, I delight in doing it. I delight in showing kindness to my wife. Now, the thing is, does she need any of those things? No, she doesn't. She doesn't need any of those things. The things I've made her, she hasn't needed. There's been a couple of things that, that she that she said, oh, well, I'd like to have this to do this. Whatever, something was something that she requested. But honestly, though, most everything that I've ever made her, she did not need. It was not a requirement for life. You know what I'm talking about? We have a whole house full of stuff that are not, are not necessities. Uh, but the still, I made them, and I made them from a place of joy. Now, when people look at that, you know, when Rachel looks at something that I made her, or other people look at things that I made her, they could, they could know that that demonstrates my skill set, demonstrates my ability to use different tools, everything else. Now, first of all, understand this. Um, you know, I, I never come up to Rachel and go, you know what, uh, do, you, do you know how to use a, uh, a table-mounted router? You know how to use one of those? And she'd be like, no, I don't, know how to make, I don't know how to use one of those at all. I'd be like, okay, well, sorry, I can't make that for you then. No, once again, do I limit what I make her? Do I limit her? Uh, what do I limit what I make her based on her abilities? No, 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 no. I'm doing something from my ability, not from her ability, right? I'm doing something from my skill set, not from her skill set. I'm making something out of kindness, and that represents my skill set, not her skill set. Okay, I don't go and I don't ask her for a list of her qualifications before I make her something. Now we need to get this. Why are we trying to qualify for what God wants to give us? 
Why are we trying to build our skill set up when it's, it's his skill set that needed to be represented, not mine? Praise God. Do you see how free kindness is? How free ki- kindness doesn't put the weight on you or requirement on you. It allows God to freely flow so it can take the weight off of you. So it can take the requirement off of you. So you can actually uh, 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 be blessed by something that you wouldn't have the ability to do. Praise God. That you wouldn't have the ability to create. That you wouldn't even have it in your imagination to create. That you wouldn't even have. He wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or imagine. Is that It's based on the power that works in us being God himself, but it's not based on my qualification or my requirement. Glory to God. So now, first of all, understand that that kindness will represent my, my skill set. So somebody could look at something I made and they can kind of see my skill set in it. They can say, oh yeah, he does a reasonable job with this and this and this, whatever. He knows how to glue stuff. He knows how to cut stuff. He knows how to nail stuff together, whatever. He knows how to use a measuring tape, I guess. You know, whatever it is. But it can represent my skill set. But what else does it represent? If somebody comes up and they see something I made for my wife, what else does it represent besides my skill set? That's right. It represents my relationship to her. It has to, number one, it it should accurately represent my skill set, but equally accurately represent my relationship to her. See, what I do for her out of kindness is, is, is <laughs> oh, praise God. It, is, um, uh, it has to be supported by a relationship. Now, um, okay, the, the, the illustration the Lord kind of gave me, the example that he gave me, and even just an example that he gave me, uh, was the Taj Mahal. You guys remember what the Taj Mahal is? It's that building in, in uh, India made back in like the 1650s, whatever it was quite a few hundred years ago, but it was, it was, uh, it was a building built by the Shah of that time. And, uh, uh, and it was created like the 1650s was it when it was done. Um, now, now you understand that, that, that building, remember, remember why it was made. Uh, you guys remember what it was, it was actually made. Yeah, that's right. His, his, he, he made it for his wife. He made it for a wife because she was she passed away, and he wanted to build a memorial for her as basically like a mausoleum type of a thing, right? And so this this mausoleum, the Taj Mahal, it's it's one of it's already been noted as one of the the, the modern wonders of the world. You know, it, it, I mean, my, it's an g- amazing building. It took a couple decades to build. It says it took over 20,000 workers to make it. And in today's money, in today's money, it would take not, over $900 million to make. $900 million to build that thing in today's money. Okay, now you understand, does the, is it a testament? Is it a testament to his wealth? Yes, it is. Is it a testament to his resource? Yes. Is it a testament to his influence? Yes. Is it a testament to his ability to get artisans together? Yes. All of that. It's a testament to all of that. But it's a higher testament to something else, isn't it? It's a higher testament to his love for his wife. Why? Because, you understand, that was above and beyond. That was lavishly extravagant. But it was an accurate representation of his love for his wife. Oh, I want you to see this. Kindness. Kindness is an accurate representation of God's love for us. You know what I'm saying? Oh, praise God. Um, uh, This is why it says, back over there in Ephesians chapter 2, where it says that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us. 
Oh, how much does he love us? How much does he care for us? The Bible says that, that he actually, that, that, that if I could count the thoughts that he has for me, they would be more than the sands of the seashore. It says, that's how many thoughts he has toward me. That's how many thoughts he has toward me. That's how many thoughts he has toward you. And he says that, once again, kindness is not kept in the thought realm. He demonstrates. He wants to show his kindness. He wants to show the exceeding riches of his grace toward us in his kindness. It says, for the ages to come. For the ages to come. And this is a representation of his love for me. It also represents his power. It represents his resources. It represents his skill set, not mine, glory to God. But it represents his love for me more than anything else. He wants to lavish us. He wants to extravagantly lavish us, not just in the by and by, but he delights in kindness in the earth like we've already read. He delights in this. He draws people by this. He actually draws people to repentance by this. It's how he does it, through kindness. And what he wants to do here, it says that he has so much kindness that he wants to to show to us that he won't be able to get it done in a day. You know, it makes me think of Christmas. You know, like like could you imagine you come out in, on Christmas morning and your 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 whole room from top to bottom, from side to side, just gifts stacked all the way to the ceiling. You know, just so many gifts, and you open up the first gift. And, and, and you come, you start opening up gifts. You open up the first gift and it is just, it just blows you away. It's just like, I don't, I didn't even know I needed it. I didn't even know I wanted that. I, it's not something I needed. I just didn't even know I wanted it, but it's so amazing. I just can't even hardly stand it. It brings you to tears of joy because it's so huge. It's so big. It's so amazing in your life. It's going to impact your life in such an amazing way. And yet then he goes, okay, open the next gift. And then you open the next gift and it's even, it's even more. It's just more. It's just more. And, and then you have this whole room full of gifts and you open gifts all day long. You have to take a lunch break. You got to take a dinner break. You're opening gifts all day long. You got to build up strength just to open up more gifts. You know what I'm talking about? And so now suddenly it comes on about 11, 30, 12 o'clock and he goes, you're going to have to go to bed. You, you open the rest tomorrow. Go ahead and go to bed. You go to bed, you wake up, you wake up and then what, what, you wake up to not only the gifts that were left over, but what did he do? He added more. He filled the room up again. Praise God. And he says here that he wants to show us kindness so much that he won't be able to do it in a day. It won't take, he, he, it's, he won't be able to do it in, in just a month or a year or, or a, a millennia. It says for the ages. It's so much that he had to create more ages. He had to create more ages just to be able to show us how kind he wants to be. Oh, praise God. <laughs> I love the kindness of God. This is how big God is. And this is the testament of his love toward us. He so loved us that he gave. He so loves us that he actually, he, he, he had to, the cool thing is, is that he did all, it says there, once again in verse 4, uh, that, that his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead, he quickened us together with Christ, and by grace we're saved, he raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places, so that he could do this. Because he knew, once again, kindness is received where there's a relationship. It's like, um, uh, he, uh, 
Okay, he, he, he showed me this little illustration. It's like if there was a young couple and they, they were just getting their first, like, let's say they were just having coffee for the first time. They're sitting there having coffee and they just are just meeting each other, getting to know each other a little bit. And, uh, and, and they're, they're, they're enjoying their time together. And the young man goes, okay, just a minute. I've got something for you. Let me, pull, let me go get my car. And so he pulls up in his car and he, he walks out with this, this little wood chest. It's beautifully ornate, ordained wood chest. He goes, I got this for you. And she's like, okay. I mean, they just, they just met. They don't even hardly know each other. they just having coffee, whatever. And he opens it up, and it's filled with just, just jewelry, diamond jewelry, rubies, gems, just filled. I mean, just gorgeous stuff that you can tell is, is real, and it's just worth so much money. And then you can see in the back of his car, he's got boxes and boxes of this. Size. I mean, it's just packed to the brim with this stuff. He's like, yeah, I've got more right there. You know, come, come, and, come, and, come and get it, man. It's all for you. It's all for you. Now, what is that young woman going to do? <laughs> I'd say she'd probably, yeah, she'd be kind of freaking out a little bit, right? She'd be like, oh, let's slow the roll down a little bit. Come on, dude. She's probably got 911 about ready to, 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 to call in a stalker deal going on because this guy's freaking her out. They just, they just started having coffee together. Even though his intent might be true, even though his, 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 his intent might be pure and everything might be right, without the relationship to back up the kindness, the kindness will be rejected or resisted. You understand what God did? He knew the amount of kindness he wanted to give us and he knew we would never receive it without the relationship supporting it, right? He knew we would resist it without the relationship supporting it. So what did he do? He sent Jesus and he said, okay, his great love with which he loved us. It says here, verse four, he, he saved us. He reconciled us. He redeemed us. He made us quicken. He quickened us together with Christ. He actually seated us with him in heavenly places. And all of that was just clearing the ground for the foundation of his kindness for us. So here he is. He's just clearing ground for 4,000 years through the Old Testament, talking about when Jesus is going to come. He's clearing ground. He is just taking bulldozers to ground, blowing up stumps, doing this huge earthwork, clearing ground, waiting for the foundation. And everybody's going, man, that's a big piece of ground. He goes, yeah, I got a lot of kindness. It's going to take some big foundation. And so he clears a bunch of ground. And then, then Jesus comes and he begins laying a foundation. Lays this huge foundation that is immovable, that is that is assured, steadfast. Praise God! And people walk up and go, "That is a huge foundation, and it's so ornate. It's Jesus Himself." And this foundation, see, all of that foundation is there is to build something on it. He goes, "Yeah, I've got a lot of kindness to give." But you see, Jesus wasn't. Jesus wasn't the culmination of things. Jesus was the foundation of things. Praise God. It says here he did all that so that in the ages to come. So that from, from Jesus on, he could begin to show us the kindness that he wants to show us. So there would be a relationship that could support that, that amount of kindness. So we wouldn't resist it anymore. Praise God. Now, uh, uh, you know, mm, my goodness. When we... When we get into this, you know, I was, I was talking to the Lord about this going, okay, well, what is it that, um, how, how, do we, how do we receive more kindness? How do we receive more? How do, what is it? Because apparently we're resisting kindness. We're resisting this, this lavishing. We're resisting this extravagant kindness. I don't know about you, but my goodness, I, don't, I just don't see the extravagance that looks like God. I don't see the lavishing that looks like God. And it's not bad to say something like that. It's just, if we're pursuing it, let's pursue it, all right? Let's get after it. 
And it says here that he wants to give us so much kindness. He wants to crown me with kindness. He wants to, he wants to blow me away with kindness every day. Once again, how many, what does it say he does every, it says he daily loads me with benefits. He daily loads me. Every day he, he fills my house full of benefits. Every day. But apparently I'm resisting a lot of those in some way. And so I'm still asking God, okay, what does kindness do? How do I receive more of it? How does this, all this work? Why are we resisting it? What is it that you're... Because God knew that He wanted to be kind to us. He knew we would resist it. And guess what? He always makes the way around it. He, he has a perfect higher way to deal with our insecurities, to deal with whatever it is in us that resists things. He has a way around. He has a perfected way, a perfected form. And what we have to find out is how that... Just, just find out how it works so we can cooperate with it. Praise God! Stop resisting the higher way. Now, so I ask God, well, what, what, what is it, what is it that, that kindness does in us that, 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 that displaces you know, darkness of some kind, that displaces the, the, the opposite of kindness, that displaces those things? And here's what he told me. It kind of surprised me. But he said, he said, what kindness does in you, when you allow yourself to, to, to receive kindness, he goes, every, every bit of kindness you receive, it actually allows you to understand how loyal I am to you. Now, that, you know, that's an interesting thing, because he began to, to talk to me about this, and when I was actually researching the word hesed uh, in, the, in the Hebrew, it, it, the, the word loyalty came up a couple times, because it has to do with a covenant relationship that, 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 that is so assured and so fixed, so tied to loyalty. And when he said loyalty, I was like, well, they, they seem like they're you know, not that connected, but they're very much so connected. And, uh, and he said, when, when you begin to understand my kindness over you, then uh, he said, loyalty, an understanding of what loyalty is, will come up and it will allow you to actually receive more kindness. Okay, here's, it, it's like this. Um, I, went, uh, this I went ahead and I, I cut up an apple and I got these apple seeds. Now, these apple seeds, what are these apple seeds designed to produce? Supposed to produce an apple, right? That's what they do. Now, uh, but we know that they don't just produce apples. What do they grow in order for those apples to be produced? They grow a tree, don't they? Now, over here in Mark chapter 4, this is where the Lord brought me to this verse. In Mark 4, in verse 30, Jesus is speaking here. And he says, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and shoots out great branches so that the fowls of the air can lodge in the shadow of it. So here he says, he says, this loyal, this, this, this seed, the seed of God's word comes in. Now, the seed carries a DNA, but that, that DNA doesn't just produce fruit. It actually carries the system, the DNA of the system by which the, the fruit can be born. So, you see, the DNA of, of an apple is in this apple seed, but also the DNA of the tree. The DNA of the tree is also within the same seed. So the DNA, the very DNA that's going to hold the apples, you see, because I understand, you need a mature tree to hold a lot of apples, right? This, here I, I have like, oh, whatever, maybe 10 seeds in here or something. Um, but how many seeds does it take to actually produce a bunch of apples? 
One seed. One seed will produce a, a system, a tree system, if you want to put it that way. It says here that, that the branches will grow out. The great branches will grow out. And those branches will allow other things to grow. And so it will also allow the birds to come and share the, the shadow of it. But now... Here he says, though, that this is, a, this is a system that grows up based on a seed. And this is what God's saying. He goes, when kindness comes into your life, when you take a seed of kindness into your heart, when you allow it to grow in your heart, when you begin to allow that kindness to grow into your heart, it will build a tree of loyalty. And that tree of loyalty will actually allow you to bear more of my kindness. But without you understanding, he goes, without you understanding how loyal I am to you, you'll resist kindness. You'll You'll, you'll question it. Because when, when loyalty is settled, then, uh, then really the issue of trust is assured. Over in uh, um, Psalms 36, it says that because of His kindness, we trust Him. Psalms 36 verse 7, if you want to look that up sometimes. It, ta it talks about, it says that because of His kindness, men put their trust in Him. See, a lot of times we're trying to trust God, but we don't know how loyal He is to us. If, if, if the, the, the subject of loyalty is not settled, if the subject of loyalty is not settled, then everything carries a question with it. And what we do is we want God to answer for his actions. You know, it'd be like, you know, if, if, uh, if let's say, uh, if Rachel, let's say she says she's going to be home at a certain time, and so she gets home, let's say she gets, she gets home like three hours afterward, three hours after she said she was going to be home. Well, that would be unlike her because, you know, she's true to her word and all that stuff, but understand, let's just say that. But you see, if, 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 if I don't know her loyalty to me, then I'll question where she was. Explain yourself. Explain where you've been. Explain what you were doing. Why were you three hours late? Why didn't you call? You see how many questions come with an unsettled loyalty? How many questions are there? Explain, explain, explain. Explain yourself. Do you know how many people right now are, 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 are still holding their heart hostage, waiting for God to explain Himself? And they're like, I'm not going to give you part of my heart. I'm going to reserve part of my heart. I'm going to self-preserve until you explain yourself. Explain why this happened. Explain why that happened. Explain what, what was going on in this time in my life. Explain to me. Explain, explain, explain. Explain where were you. Where were you when this happened? Where were you when that happened? Do you know what that voice sounds like? I mean, I think we've all been there from time to time. But can you feel that in the atmosphere even right now? Can you feel that, 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 that insecurity of those questions are coming from a place where loyalty hasn't been settled. Because when you know somebody's been loyal to you, when you know their loyalty to you, they never have to explain themselves. Ever. Because loyalty... I want you right now... Okay, okay, okay. okay. Right now, um, let's just take a, take a minute here because I want you to get a hold of this. And we can't just get more description or information about this. We have to have impartation of this. So let's just take a minute here. And I want you to feel. Just, just don't, 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 don't learn. Just feel. I want you to feel that word loyalty as I speak it. I want you to feel it. Can you feel that in the air? The word loyalty. Every, you know, words carry power, don't they? Words have DNA. Words, Jesus said his words are spirit in their life. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. Words carry things. 
Even words, bad words, like the word betrayal carries something. When I say the word betrayal, can you feel that right now? See, that's not a good thing. But when I say the word loyalty, the word loyalty, let, let me just speak it, speak it, loyalty. Can you feel that right there? Yeah. It's okay. I just, I don't, I just don't want you to, I don't want you to rush through this. This is not about me telling you about loyalty. I want to impart a sense of loyalty. There has to be an impartation of these things. Loyalty. What does it feel like? Oh, there it is. Can you feel that? It feels like strength. Do you feel the strength in the word loyalty? Do you feel the bond in it? You're bonded with strength. That, that, that's such a bonding word, loyalty. Such a bonding word. There is a sense of loyalty that God wants us to understand about Him. When we have that sense of loyalty, oh, right now, Father God, we receive that. We receive it right now. Father, we just, we, 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 uh, da, 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 we focus not, Father God, on our intellect here. We don't focus on our ability to learn. Father, we, we focus, Father God, simply on you imparting. We receive ah, an awareness of your loyalty. We receive the awareness of that right now in the name of Jesus. That's right. Hallelujah. Just let that soak in. Just soak in. Just, just let yourself sink in like a hot bath. Don't resist it. There it is. Yeah, just go deeper in that. Yep, I know. At first it might be a little bit too hot, but just let yourself sink in there. Ah, that's right. Father, we allow our hearts to just soak in that word loyalty right now. We allow our hearts to soak in that right now. Mm, that's so good. You feel how much strength there is in that. Oh, bathe yourself in that right now. Bathe yourself in that strength. Bathe yourself in that loyalty. Okay. Now, Father, we just thank you. As we hear your word, as we hear the word loyalty, we assign that to you. We choose to assign that to you. We repent of anything that we thought about you up until now, and we assign loyalty to you. We identify loyalty to you. We know that it can only come from you. You are the loyal God. Loyalty can't come from anybody but you, therefore you must be loyal. And so we allow you to be that in us right now. Praise God. Well, let's get back into this. Father, we thank you for that. Um, but we need to understand that, this, that, that when, when loyalty is settled, there is no more risk of heartbreak. There's no more risk of disappointment. There's no more risk of discouragement when loyalty has been settled. And God knew that. And you, that, 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 that when we talk about the word has said, it has that loyal term to it. That's why the translator in the Old Testament, he went through and he didn't just put the word kindness. Many times he put the word loving kindness because he, he knew that there was times when that word was so strong that it had to have love tied to it so we knew what was backing it up. Because without love, it the, the, the doesn't make any sense. Without love, extravagance doesn't have any context. Without love, it doesn't make any sense. But when you know that God loves you, when you know that he adores you, when you know that he is infatuated with you, when you know that he is obsessed with you, well then his extravagance has context to be received. But you see, if, if we don't know how loyal he is to us, then we're always questioning why he's giving us something. And so we'll resist it. We'll resist it and we'll actually put a debt on it and say, well, what do I owe you? What do I owe you? You know, what, 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 what do I need to do to measure up to this? 
See, that, that this loyalty is not just a random act or a random gift of kindness. It's not a random act of kindness or a gift. This is, this is liberal generosity, lavishness, extravagance based on a, 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 a memorial of love to you. This is a trophy and a living token of his love for you. This is not a random act of just generosity. This is a memorial of his relationship with you, so you'll never have to ask if he's going to do it again. You never have to ask why it was done the first time. You never have to question what was it that you did to earn this. You didn't do anything. He loved you, praise God. Now, when we understand what is this Lord, what is the definition of it? It is immovable, it is unchangeable, it is a firm, consistent, and constant personal devotion. That's what loyalty is. Let me say that again. It is immovable, it is unchangeable, it is a firm, constant, consistent personal devotion and commitment to you personally. It is personal. Loyalty is so personal. Now, this is not man's loyalty we're talking about. This is God. This is the great God, Jehovah. This is God who cannot change, right? And you understand, he wants us to understand his loyalty so much that, that he never wants his loyalty to be, to be questioned. Now, when we're talking about uh, really what is this loyalty, uh, loyalty, like it goes, um, it's not just faithfulness. Faithfulness and loyalty are two different things. They're both very good and they're both very strong. Faithfulness, however, we, we, we focus a lot on God's faithfulness, and we should. But it's different than loyalty. Faithfulness is when you do, uh, you, you, you do what you said you were going to do. You, you basically, you, you, you say what you mean, you mean what you say, you do your word. You're a person of your word. That's a faithful person. A person that is faithful is somebody who does what they say they're going to do. It, and, and it's a relationship to your word that is, that is unbreakable. God's faithful to his word. He watches over his word to perform it. Okay, but loyalty is not, is not a relationship to your word. Loyalty is a relationship to somebody else. God is faithful to his word and he's loyal to me. Okay, this is big. Because we, we tend to, to think of God almost like this general type of a God, like he's, he's, he has this general relationship with everybody and he's faithful to his word. He is faithful to his word, but he's loyal to me. See, loyal, loyalty is personally devoted. Loyal is, is, you know, how committed is God to you personally? Uh, uh, the, the word, um, the word uh, legal and loyal, um, because see, faithfulness goes to a contract, and legal, legal things go to contract, right? Well, the, the word legal and loyal both come from the same Latin word, which is legalese. The same exact Latin word was the word legalese, okay? And it just, over the, over the generations, it morphed into two words. Uh, one is legal and one is loyal. And, um, and, and both of them are the exact same word in the Latin. They're, they come from the exact same root. And that root actually originally meant uh, to be engraven in stone. The, something unchangeable, to be engraven in stone. Now, when we think of the word legal... We think of a contract, just like faithfulness is a contract between him and his word. Legal is a contract. You know, something legal is a contract. It's a contractual term, 
right? Now, the thing is, though, is that we, we get really used to God's faithfulness and that covenant talk of legality, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if we only focus on that, then what we do is we, we tend to think so contractually that we end up thinking that, that if something's not operating correctly, then it's, it's, it's our fault and we have to be better at holding up our end of the contract. It becomes very just contractual. When we need to realize that it was never intended to be solely contractual, it was intended to be relational and contractual. My, my relationship to my wife, do we have a legally binding contract? Yes, we do. We were married legally, and therefore we are legally bound to each other. But you understand, okay, that legal contract only exists because I have a personal devotion to her. So because I am personally devoted to her, personally committed to her, I wanted to enter into a legally binding thing. But you see, the legally binding thing does not define my relationship with her. It's my personal devotion that does. And these days, of course, you have people who, who have relationships who don't ever get married. And I want to just say this, that unless you are legally bound to somebody, I question your personal devotion to them. Okay, now I'll just leave it at that. But understand that, that God, he, okay, <laughs> this is so good. We need to get this. That the only reason why there is a legal contract with my wife is not so that it would mandate requirements on us. That is not why the legal contract exists. The legal contract does not require me to do this or that. The legal contract is simply there so that nobody can steal something from her. Nobody can legally take it from her because she's legally bound to my assets. She's legally bound to me. And so there Therefore, nobody can steal that from her. That's the only reason the legal contract exists. It doesn't exist to define my relationship with her in any way. It doesn't limit me. It doesn't require her or me on either side. What it does is it protects her from being stolen from. But it exists as a as a as a a a, a, a byproduct of my personal devotion for her. Praise God. Do we know that? Oh my goodness. God, we have a, we have a legal document called the Old and the New Covenant with God. We have a new covenant with the Lord G Jesus Christ. But it is, it is, it is written so that legally nobody can steal it from me, but it is written because He loved me with such a great love. He is personally devoted to you and me. He is infinitely persistent, infinitely pursuant of you, infinitely caring for you, infinitely, oh, praise God. I want you to see this. He told me this the other day. He goes, I am omnipresent and indivisible. In other words, he can be with all of us all the time, but not only is he with us all the time, Oh, everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's always everywhere all the time, but he's also indivisible, which means that when he's with me, guess how much I get of him? I get all of him. When he's with you, guess how much you get? You get all of him, and it can be at the same time. So he is omnipresent and indivisible. He can be indivisibly, indivisibly, I don't even know how you would want to put that. Um, he, let me put this, his loyalty is indivisible. Okay, so his loyalty cannot be divided. He does not have divided loyalty. I don't need to have sibling rivalry. I don't need to have jealousy when loyalty has been settled. When I understand loyalty, I don't have jealousy anymore. I don't have sibling rivalry anymore. I don't have comparisons anymore because he is omnipresent and he is indivisible. Praise God. So he is 100% in me. It says, I have the fullness of him and you have the fullness of him. Praise God. Now, what we have to get a hold of, man, he is, uh, when we're talking about this, we need to get the, that he is, 
um, oh my goodness, we need to ask some questions. We need to just ask questions of our own heart and, and challenge our heart to actually believe that something's true about this. Challenge our heart. Even if you can't believe it right away, imagine it. Begin to imagine that this is true. Imagine. I know we say we believe God's loyal. I mean, you understand. He tells us to be loyal to Him, doesn't He? He tells us to be um, sold out, committed 100% to Him. How much of Him, how much does He want me? How much of me does He want? He wants all of me, doesn't He? Well, you understand. I can only, the word says in 1 John chapter 4 that I can only love Him as He first loved me. Right? So any amount I love, that I, any amount of love I give to him is a reciprocation of what he's already given me and my understanding of that love. So if he tells me to be sold out and committed to him without idolatry, then what is he already doing for me? See, I can't be loyal to him until he's first loyal to me. Until I understand he's loyal to me. Not in a general sense, in a personal sense. How personally devoted is he to you personally? What do I mean by that? Once again, what does it mean to be loyal? It means you do not change your position toward them ever. When he said that I will never leave you nor forsake you, that is a term of loyalty. He goes, I will never change in this. I will never do that. It says in, in, in James chapter 1 that he always gives good and perfect gift and he is never, it says there is no, no changing or shadow of turning in him. He never changes his direction toward me. He never changes his position toward me. He is always infinitely backing me up, infinitely supporting me, infinitely for me. He's infinitely pursuing me. He's infinitely protecting me. He's infinitely guarding me. You understand? He is infinitely, personally devoted to me. Praise God. See, we need to allow our imagination to actually say, what if that's true? How, how, does, uh, how does a circumstance look like if Jesus is loyal to me, if God, Jehovah, is loyal to me, if Adonai is loyal to me, if El Shaddai is loyal to me, if he never changes his, back on, changes his, his position to me, he never turns his back on me, he never leaves me, he never forsakes me. Jesus took my, my, he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Jesus took God's forsakenness so that I would never, ever feel it. Praise God. So that God could be infinitely loyal to me. So it doesn't matter if I'm, if I'm, if I'm looking right at him, he's looking right at me, right? If I, if I turn to the right or to the left, guess where he's looking? Still right at me. If I turn all the way around and my back is faced toward him and I'm walking the other way, guess which way he's facing? Toward me. That's what way he's always looking toward me. He's always loyal to me. Praise God. And this, this understanding of loyalty is what allows me to actually receive kindness. When I understand that he is loyal, then I can receive the highest level of his kindness. But until I do, I'm going to question everything that he gives to me. This is a personal devotion. This is a personal kindness. Praise God. And what he, oh my goodness, um, mm. he knew, he knew that we would need to, to know uh, loyalty. He knew he would, and like I said, he, he told me this, he, he said, this seed, that one seed, a seed of kindness will actually grow up the tree of loyalty. And that will allow me to bear more kindness. It will allow me to actually receive more kindness and it will allow me to produce kindness in my life. Praise God. But that tree is crucial, and he knew that it was going to be crucial to my life. 
And so what does he do? He doesn't just describe to me what's going to happen. He doesn't just uh, teach me about it. He extravagantly shows it to me. He doesn't answer my need for kindness with a description. He answers it with extravagance. He answers it with this infinite statement of love called Jesus. Now, let's turn over to uh, Psalms 107. I know we need to wrap this up, but we, I, I want us to understand how can we actually get a hold, how can we actually get a hold of or, or, or take in um, more of His kindness? How can we actually take that in? Over in Psalm chapter 107. And, uh, and here he says, uh, I'm not going to read the whole, uh, the, the whole you know, chapter, obviously. It's pretty, pretty lengthy. But I'm going to kind of skip down through different, different bits and pieces of it here. And, um, and here he says, Oh, give thanks, verse 1, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, and His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And, and uh, gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in the, soli- in the solitary way. They found no city to dwell, and hungry and thirsty, they, their soul uh, fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of all their distresses. And He led them forth by, by the right way, and they might find a city of habitation. Verse 8, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. That wasn't word goodness, it's the word has said. For his kindness, oh, the Lord would, pra- would would praise the Lord for his kindness and his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry with goodness. Praise God. Okay, now if you skip down just a few verses, um, verse fourteen says he brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death and break their hands as- their bands asunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness or kindness and for his wonderful works for the children of men. Uh, skip down to um, verse. Uh, um, 19, then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saves them out of their destructions. Uh, it says, um, he, uh, he, he, he sent His word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His kindness and His wonderful works to the children of men. Uh, next verse, um, uh, verse uh, 29, He makes the storm a calm. So that the waters uh, of them are still, then they be glad that be so because they are quiet. So he brings them unto their desired haven. Verse thirty-one. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His kindness and for his, the wonderful works in the children of men. Praise God. And then if we skip down to verse uh, um, 40, uh, 41. It says, Yet set he the poor on high from affliction, and makes him families like a flock. The righteous shall see it and rejoice, and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Praise God for that. Verse 43, Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Here he tells us the key to it. He says, Who is wise? Who here is wise? Praise God. It says, they will observe these things and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Now, here it says, it says if, 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 first of all, it says we have to, whoever, if, we, if we're wise, we need to observe these things. And if we observe these things, what things? All of these things of kindness that, that he did towards people. All of the wonderful works that he's done for his people. And he's talking about things he's done in your life. When we begin to observe the seeds of kindness... When we begin to observe the seeds of kindness 
in our life, it begins to grow up. We have to water those seeds, don't we? Now, you see, the, the word observe there actually is, is the, the Hebrew word shamar. It actually means to, to guard over. To actually, it, the, the picture of it is a, uh, is a shepherd out in the wilderness with his flock, and he, he actually makes a hedge of thorns all the way around them by hand, so nothing can get into them and they won't get out. That's what this word shamar is, to guard over the acts of kindness in your life. What has he done for you? What has he done for you? Have you guarded it? Or, or has, it just, has it just gone by the wayside? Is it just out of your sight, out of your mind? Is it just gone off into our, the memory bank somewhere? Is it on the shelf of our heart has, having dust on it? Or are we guarding and watching over it? Are we actually, you know, it's like when we were in, um, when I was in the Midwest years ago, uh, Rachel's sister's house, we were planting these little trees. They got some from the Arbor Foundation. They got like a little, little seedlings and they, they wanted to uh, plant a bunch of trees by the road. And so we went through and we planted, I don't know, quite a few trees by the road all the way up along there. And, and then, but two of the trees were a little bit bigger uh, and they were mimosa trees and we planted those too. And, uh, and so like the next time I was over there, uh, like several months later or something, maybe the next year, um, all those little trees we planted, those seedlings, they were all gone. The two mimosas are still there. In fact, right now the, the mimosas are big and healthy trees, but all the other ones are gone. And I asked uh, Rachel's sister, Christina, I asked her what, uh, what happened to those trees. And she said, well, what happened was uh, those little seedlings would be there and tr the birds would come and they would, they would land on the tops of those little trees. And guess what happened to those trees? It would weight them down to the ground. Well, after a while, every one of those trees got killed because birds would come and, and just, just kind of roost, try to roost on the top of a little tiny seedling and it would bend over. And she said this, she said, well, she goes, if I were to do it again, Guess what she would do? She'd put a guard around it, right? She said, I'd have to put a guard around it until it gets strong enough to hold the weight. See, the mimosa trees were bigger already, and so they, they flourished. They didn't mind the, the birds. But you understand, here he's saying, if, we, if who, whoever's wise puts a guard around the kindness, they put a guard around things God's done for you. They put a guard around it. In other words, they, they, they don't let things come and roost up. They don't, they, don't they don't let negative thoughts, they don't let negative circumstances come and try to corrupt the kindness that God's done for you. You begin to observe it. You begin to put a guard over it. You begin to actually look over those things. You... you um, Oh my goodness. Um, uh, this, this term guard is, in fact, it's the same thing, the same word that God used with Adam in the Garden of Eden. Tend the garden, he said. This is the same word shamar. Tend it. In other words, watch over it, protect it, allow it to flourish. Allow it to flourish. Okay, all you have to do is guard it. If you guard it, it will flourish. It will actually hold to its DNA if you guard over it. And the things of kindness, once again, a seed, how many seeds does it take to grow something big? One seed. It doesn't take a billion seeds, it takes one seed. God daily loads us with benefits. He loads them with us. And He knows if He just one seed catches, if you watch over just one thing, just one thing in your life, if you just watch over one thing, it will grow up and it will become so great that it will actually cause things to happen in your life. It will allow you to receive more of His kindness. Praise God. And He's banking on even one seed catching. Glory to God. Now, uh, it's like, you know, uh, several years ago, um, uh, Rachel, uh, I, I, we, we had this, we bought this, uh, well, actually somebody gave it to her for Christmas, but it was this old, uh, old antique wooden tripod for like a surveyor's tripod, you know, uh, and, um, and uh, when we got it, we got it for Christmas. I mean, it was it was one of those project pieces. I knew that it was like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna make something out of that, you know. And uh, and the whole time, I figured I'd just make a lamp out of it. Well, it sat it sat out on our back porch for I don't know a few years. Never did anything with it. 
Well, anyway, one summer I decided, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and make that into a lamp and I'm not going to tell Rachel about it, I'm going to surprise her with it. And so what I did was I, um, I, uh, um, I, 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 I would take it and if I had an hour or two to work on it when she wasn't home, I would, I would do all the things I needed to do to get it ready. I mean, I had to build a shelf, I had to put the wiring, I had to you know, do all kinds of stuff like, like this with it to make it into the lamp that I wanted. And, um, and so uh, uh, I, I, what I would do is I would... I would build it up to a certain point. I knew she was going to be home pretty soon. So then I would take it all down again and put it back where it was on the back porch. Because I was trying to, I was going to surprise her, right? And so I did this through several steps, right? Where it would be like, you know, work on it for a couple hours, break it down again. You know, then, then, then the next time I could work on it, I'd take it out and I'd, I'd pull, I'd, I'd build it back up to where I had it and then add to it. And then I'd take it all back down again. And all this was because I wanted to surprise her. You know, and so anyway, in fact, one time during this process, Rachel didn't know I was doing this, but we were over at Redmond at an antique store over at Redmond and she saw this tripod. Uh, it was a smaller version of what we already had, a wood tripod. And she goes, man, wouldn't this make a great lamp? And I go, yes, it would. We already have a, we already have a, a wood tripod. She goes, I know, but we don't have a lamp. And we wanted to make a, a lamp. I go, I know. Well, see, she didn't know that I was already working on it. And so we didn't end up getting that tripod, uh, but, but I knew I was already working on it. Right, and so anyway, finally, after some time, I got it to the point where it was finally done, and now uh, it was ready to go. So what I did was, you know, we, we have a doorway from our garage that leads into our house, and, uh, and of course, when, when, you know, she'd get home, and she'd usually walk through that door and into the house, whatever, and so, uh, so I put the tripod, the finished tripod, you know, lamp, lamp and all, I, I, I put it, you know, just not too far inside the door. So when she walked in the door, it would be right there, staring her in the face, right? And so, uh, so I'm at home, she comes home, she comes in, and then she walks right by it, doesn't even see it. I know. <laughs> she didn't even see it. I mean, she just walks right on by. And I'm like waiting, you know, to, uh, I'm waiting to, uh, uh, to hear, you know, her, re her response to it, and she just walks right on by. And then I'm waiting for a few minutes, you know, and then she goes off in the bedroom and does something. She's walking around. And I just, I finally go, did you notice what I, what I did for you? <laughs> and, uh, and she goes, no. And then she comes in the living room. She goes, is it in here somewhere? I go, it's not in here. And so she ends up walking in and then she sees like, oh, it's so, whatever. And so, uh, but I, but here's the funny thing is that she, she was so in her routine that even though I was surprising her with something that I had worked on that was a testament of my love for her and kindness toward her, I had been working on it, and I had been going through some labor to work on it, trying to keep it a surprise, but still now that it was in the, you know, it was right there, ready to go, it was staring her in the face, her, her, because she was so in the mind of her routine that she went right by it. See, now, the issue was not whether I did it, the issue was whether or not she received it. Now, here's the question. He daily loads us with benefits. Isn't that right? Isn't that what the Word says? He daily loads us with benefits. How many of those things each day are we walking right by because of our daily routines? And we're not, we're not, we're not observing them like it says here. It says, if I observe these things, notice what it says. It says, if I observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. That term understand is a great word. That word understand actually means to, uh, it means, it means to, to go through a vast storehouse of knowledge and to get to the specific point of something. 
It is like a, it is like where you are just, you, 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 you wipe out all the, all the variables and you hit the mark and you, it, it actually, the, the picture of this word, uh, uh, um, understand it in, in the Hebrew times, it was a picture of a champion of whatever discipline. So it was a picture of somebody who had risen to the heights of the, of the, of the title champion in whatever discipline they were in. They had exercised themselves and built those skills set up so high that they could actually uh, call themselves a champion. That, that's what this word understand means. It says we can understand the loving kindness of God. We can be a champion in the kindness of God. We can understand it so well that nothing else gets in our way. We can go through a vast storehouse of information and we know exactly what the point is every time we see it. You understand? And so here's the thing. Here, oh, here, nah, praise God. See, when we understand, when we, when we guard over things, I'm just telling you, how many seeds? Once again, how many seeds does it take to grow a tree? One. Now, what, what was it that he did? Over in uh, last verse, we need to wrap it up. Last verse in Titus chapter 3. And it says here, um, verse 3, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice, envy, hateful, and hating one another. Verse 4, But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Praise God. What's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus, right? He says, Verse 6, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So what did he do? See, Jesus is the first seed of this kindness. He is the first seed of this kindness. When he actually went into our heart, if we can watch over that. And once again, what kind of DNA does Jesus carry? What kind of DNA, what kind of tree does that make? Praise God. If I can watch over and I can ask, ask God, God, show me how. Teach me how to guard over. Teach me how to be aware of the kindness in my life. He's loading us today with benefits. He's loading us today with loving kindness. But what we have to do is say, okay, can I actually watch over it? Can I actually guard it and say, okay, can I observe it? And when I do that, then suddenly a tree of loyalty will be built. Oh, praise God. I'll know how loyal he is to me. I'll know how personally devoted he is to me. And when that is, when those are done, all the questions are silenced. When those things are, when loyalty comes up in our heart, when we know how loyal God is to us, we know how personally devoted he is to us, all the questions cease. And then we can actually receive freely the kindness of God that He designed through Jesus, and He is constantly pouring out and crowning us with kindness. So he, we, bearing the kindness and the fruit of kindness, the spiritual fruit of kindness on us and through us and out of us, we can actually allow other people to be led and drawn to repentance by the loving heart of our Father. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we just worship you. We thank you, Lord God, for this incorruptible seed of Jesus. With God, we thank you, Father God, that that first seed carries the DNA of loyalty. And I thank you, Father God, that he took being forsaken so I would never be forsaken. You said you would never leave us nor forsake us. And I just thank you right now. I speak, Father God, just that nature of loyalty, Father God, that we know your loyalty over us. We know you have never changed your position toward us and you never will. We know it, Father God. And we just thank you. We just allow our imagination, we allow our belief, we allow our heart to grab a hold of that loyalty. We thank you, Father God. Just show us how have you displayed your kindness even today? How have you displayed it, Father God, today? And we show, teach us how to watch over it. Teach us how, Father God, to guard it. Teach us how to observe it. Teach us how to become a champion in kindness. And we just thank you, Lord God. We receive the fullness of it right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God. Thanks for joining us today on Wisdom and Stuff. 
Don't forget to subscribe to get new updates and check out our podcast page on Podbean to find all our previous posts and full-length messages. We'll see you next time and have a blessed day.